Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. Really cool ideas into this duck call. It will not stick. Fishing's incredible, and it's multi-species. You know it's multi-species up there in September. But then you got your grouse, you got your early goose, you got your teal season. While it impacts me, I, I understand. I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Alclair Outdoor Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. We're not just a radio show anymore. This is Sporting Journal Radio. That's right. Welcome to the show. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in on the network by demand or watching this on YouTube. That's Dan Amundsen over there. Dan, what's up? Hello to everyone on their way to a decoy spread right now. It's opening day. I love it. I love it. Maybe you're hunting doves on the dove opener or waiting until the Saturday to shoot teal and uh, Canada geese. Or maybe you're going bow hunting in South Dakota like David Eckhart. David, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you? That doesn't look like a deer stand. <laughs> or is it? For another day. Or is it? <laughs> That's right. All right. So uh, we got a lot to get to this week. Ben Bredigan is in Montana as he gets ready for the opening of the hunting season out there. We're going to talk to him and uh, talk about some new things going on with OnX, including uh, creating some more hunting opportunities, some hunting land access. Sam Soholt touched on it last week, too. Uh, ben will tell us more about that. And Corey Loeffler is going to join us. He's going to detail his uh, his struggles with trapping gophers. And uh, also talk about the new duck call that he's got. And Joe Henry will talk about an event, a pretty important event that they do every year at Lake of the Woods. And, and talk about how fishing is up there at that big walleye factory in northern Minnesota. But first, Dan, who are the sponsors this week? Uh, Live Target. Match the hats at LiveTargetLures.com. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital of the world. Plan a trip for this fall or winter at LakeofTheWoodsMN.com. Haybell Heights Campground and Resort. Book a trip to Devil's Lake. Learn more at HaybellHeights.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter this fall at OttertailLakesCountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman. We've got a few new shoots coming up, so we've got new episodes coming this winter. But in the meantime, you can watch reruns anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. I feel like this is one of the busiest Octobers for Prairie Sportsmen that we've had in a while. Yeah, I feel like normally we've been kind of almost wrapping things up, and we're really just getting going. So it might be a hunting-heavy and fall-fishing-heavy season this year. Yeah, well, two of the— If you like those things, just watch the show. Two of the shoots in October are fishing. Fishing are fishing-related anyway. Yeah. So— uh, got a couple of really cool things planned for the new season of Prairie Sportsman. And if you haven't watched the show before and you're on YouTube right now, go to the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel and you can watch uh, all sorts of episodes that we've done in the past. The show's been going for a long time. Heck yeah, it's a good one. Uh, while you're on YouTube, you can also go to Taz and Lake Lodge and check out the Taz and TV YouTube show that we do. And uh, we just filmed some new episodes up in Saskatchewan uh, here recently. And of course, go to the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel as well. Dan just put up a new video there uh, recently. I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but why don't sure. you tell us once again what it is? That one, whoa, well, we went we went bass fishing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we have talked about this one, actually. No, because the last, oh, last we time did. we talked, yeah, right, David? It was, we were bleeding fish last time, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Last, so, last week was bleeding fish. Yeah, this week we went bass fishing, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. After all the jokes we make about bass fishing, we went out and caught some bass, but we stumbled into a different species and had a great time catching these other species using forward-facing sonar whether yeah. you like it or not i love it we had a blast with it and it is fun and shocker we didn't fish out the lake when we did it either yeah there's still fish in that lake 
so we had the MG12 from Cast King, and they sent us that, and they wanted us to try it out, get some pictures, get some some videos, and uh, try it out a little bit. So we went on a bass mission, and I'm filming Dan catching these smallies with the MG12, and catching some nice fish too. Oh yeah, and don't uh, sound so surprised. <laughs> I'm a little surprised. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you look down at his uh, his live scope, and it's like. Boom, school of fish. Well, I wonder what that is. So we did a little investigating, chased the school of fish around, and you can see how it turned out by watching the video right now on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. Go there, like it, subscribe, share it with your friends if you want. Appreciate it. And we got another brand new video. We've been doing a lot of fishing on there lately. We're going to be transitioning to hunting. We'll still have some fishing content on there. In fact, Dan, you just went and filmed... Uh, some fishing stuff that you'll probably put out there soon. I suppose. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe you'll have to wait till spring. All right. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what I'm feeling like. So anyway, I'm going to have Kodiak wrapped up here very soon. The North American waterfowl film fact, by the time this airs, it may be done in going up on our YouTube channel very soon. So it's a, a longer form waterfowl hunt in Alaska and Kodiak Island. The Mecca is a lot of waterfowlers call it. Oh, the, the Mecca. The Me oh. <laughs> we didn't film anything in the Mecca while we were on Kodiak. Well, at least nothing that could be in the show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. David, you, you know, need to go to know. the Mecca. It's, it's, it's almost, almost like the prairie chicken. Right. <laughs> That's right. Not quite, but maybe, maybe close. But we got a, a really cool film. We learned about water, uh, waterfowl research on sea ducks and what's being done and, and what we don't know about sea ducks in Alaska. Uh, we talk about how you can plan a trip there, what you need to know, how you need to plan for weather, and just the, just the experience of getting off the island, what we went through to leave Kodiak was a bit of a because we were up i think it was like a 15 day trip and we only hunted i think we hunted about seven days six or seven days maybe that and the rest of it was pretty much all travel yeah and if we didn't leave the day we did we would not have made it home for christmas yeah so it's a good thing we didn't we left on like the we left well before christmas the 13th but, i think is when we left yeah and so <laughs> think about that if we didn't yeah. leave that day we'd have i think we would have gotten out of alaska but i think we would have been sitting in the SeaTac airport in seattle waiting uh Wishing each other Merry Christmas and probably not being very nice with each other. We'd, we'd have been sick of each other by then. I mean, that's one to think about when you go to these, whether you call it a bucket list destination or some of these uh, just amazing, amazing places to hunt or fish. They're usually in remote places, and that's what makes them usually so good. But the travel can be difficult. And sometimes you'll get, you're going to get delayed because of weather. So if you plan a trip like that to Kodiak Island or even to Tazan Lake in Saskatchewan, northern Saskatchewan, you have to understand that you might need some, uh, some travel days on the front or the back end of that trip. And we needed, we needed a bunch of them. So that video, watch for it on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. Of course, uh, hunting season is here. I'm so excited. David, you, you couldn't even stick around to do the show here. You, gotta, you had to get on the road uh, to yep. do some hunting. Um, I had to get out of there. Yeah, it's it's going to be one million degrees this weekend for the hunting opener. How excited Whoa. are you? Are you going to be in a in a stand? Are you going to be in a um, saddle? Cool. What are you going to do over there? Uh, I brought a ground blind and a saddle, but I think majority is going to be spot spot stock. I'm going to oh, with cool. the temperature and just the lack of knowledge of the area really i mean i've got knowledge of the area but it's 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 just going to be finding the deer and making a game plan from there so do you have uh a, like a box stand that has air conditioning 
I wish I did. That's going to be the next thing. David, David's going to have a permanent stand up <laughs> with an air conditioner, a wall air conditioner. Well, I remember window. that. Remember that walk in cooler he bought? It yeah. just became a deer stand. <laughs> yep. That's going to be brilliant the next step oh man i remember i so i used to go to north dakota to bow hunt and i would go that opening weekend at the end of at the end of august or maybe the first weekend in september and there was a couple of days over there where it was 80 90 degrees just roasting hot i'm talking 20 years ago or so just just boiling hot out there and you know if you do shoot a deer you got to work fast but i was more worried that that time of year that warm uh on the west side of the missouri river um, there's, there's still rattlesnakes out yeah. there that time of year. Gross. And, uh, that's what I didn't like very much about that warmer weather. Yeah, I never saw one, but, uh, <laughs> I definitely watched where I stepped. Then later in the year when it got cooler, I didn't worry quite as much, but are you, are you, uh, you're on the east side of the river, aren't you? Or are you on the west side? Yeah, just, just barely on the east side. Okay. You, you might have a random prairie rattler, but probably don't have to worry too much about snakes over, over there. Um, well, good luck. While you're doing that, we're going to be uh, shooting doves in uh, one million degree heat. Uh, so I think we'll, we'll probably hunt in the morning, throw out a spinner. Yeah, right out there. Yeah, I, not too far away. I, I was pretty conflicted about missing uh, early goose, teal, dove to come out here to go deer hunting. With but a chance at a velvet mule? Are you insane? With the temperatures, though, I mean, they're, the doves are going to stick around. And, yeah, you know, the velvet's early, not. So. Well, that's just it. Like, the, the early teal season, I don't really care about that. If I have the chance to shoot one, I'll shoot them, of course. Uh, er, you know, the early Canada goose season in Minnesota, if we get on a, a burner, I, I'd be excited about it. But I'm really not, you know, we don't have a ton of geese around right now. Uh, but the doves, this year particularly, David, it, there's no cooler weather pushing some of them south i'm sure time at time of day shorten shortening will move some of those birds anyway but we have so many doves around david it's, i don't think i've ever seen this many doves around an opener before oh, i've seen so many there's been so many doves around so i'm i'll i'll catch them next week yeah they'll still <laughs> be here there's not gonna be a cold front that blows them out down south so for sure they'll be here all right. Well, we should. What? Uh, how are we doing on time, Dan? Uh, we probably got to take a commercial break. All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick break. We've got Joe Henry coming up. We're gonna talk uh, Lake of the Woods and what fall is like up there, and uh, what what he just got done to a really cool event. That's uh, just an, an important, important event up at Lake of the Woods. We'll tell you what that is when we come back. And then we got a, a fun interview with Corey Loeffler and Ben Bredigan coming up on Sporting Journal Radio. Kodiak, a North American waterfowl film, is coming to the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. I've been a sea duck hunter for about 30 seconds, and I've already got one that's probably going to go on the wall, so this is the coolest duck hunt I've ever been on. Presented by Boss Shot Shells, with support from Sitka and Beretta, and additional support from Alclair Outdoors, High Prairie Animal Arts, and the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Riders. Watch Kodiak on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybale Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybale Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. 
Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTEC's winner, the Ultimate Frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed Ultra Point Mustad hook and replaceable legs, the Ultimate Frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And iCast and FTEC's winner, the Live Shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers. Coming soon from Live Target. Now we're going to go up to Lake of the Woods to check in with Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism. Joe, I know the discussion, I'm sure, has started now that September is here. Are the shiners running in the river yet? Yeah. You know, uh, they're they're not running yet. But I can tell you this, that there's fish in the river. You know, I, I was out on the Rainy River just a couple of weeks ago already, and we caught some nice walleyes, some good saugers. We caught smallies, pike, big crappies on the river. So, I mean, there, there, there are some fish in the river already. Now, I don't know if those fish moved up in the river or if they've been there all summer. But nonetheless, there's fish there already. And then, of course, what happens is we get that annual you know, fall run of emerald shiners coming up the river. And wherever the shiners are, the walleyes are going to be. So those walleyes will follow it up, and uh, it's good to go. I know that uh, uh, a lot of people, so September is usually when this whole thing starts. And usually what happens is, you know, somebody goes out and starts fishing the river just for whatever reason. I was fishing the river for a day and they whack the heck out of the walleyes. And then all of a sudden somebody says, I had shiners under my light last night. And, you know, by the time you hear about it, it's been going on for a week or two already. And right. that, that normally happens just into September when things start happening. I can tell you the trees are already starting to change up there just a little bit, not a lot, but you know, you'll, you'll see a bunch of big, beautiful green trees up there and all of a sudden, boom, you got yellow and orange, you know, and, um, and the other thing I'll tell you, too, is that, that uh, if there's anybody interested, there's still some spots open for that Chili Bowl walleye tournament in October out of Board of View Lodge. I think they take 75 boats, and I think they're over 50 already. That's mm-hmm. a really neat tournament. It's just the Rainy River, so, you know, you don't need a big boat for that. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just really a, a neat, neat deal. So if, if you and a partner uh, want to jump into something like that, it's, uh, it's a fun, fun fall tournament. It's cool, you know, too. It's only... Uh, I think it's only a few hundred dollars for entry fee from 100, 150 bucks per angler. And that includes a prime rib dinner. So it's a, it's a good one. You know, Joe, we're going to be, uh, we'll be together actually up at the Aglow conference up there, not too far from Lake of the woods, uh, near the end of September, Dan, we're going to have your boat up there for the Aglow conference. Maybe we just, uh, well, if you, I know we have an obligation well, that, right if, after that, but if you want to go do that, I'll go to Lake of the woods oh, and film that's something. That's going to work for it. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to, we're going to film an elk hunt. And then, uh, after the elk hunt, I mean, we'll have all our hunting and fishing gear. Twist my arm. Maybe we'll have to spend some time at the th- Lake of the Woods. There's probably a bunch of ducks up there still. Yeah. I saw, I saw there's some layout boat hunting dates available. I saw, yeah. I saw Andy post about yeah, that actually. So I grouse. And grouse. Yeah, David. Yeah, man. And you, you guys know, plus you, 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 the fact that you guys hunt, I mean, yeah, the fishing's incredible and it's multi-species. You know it's multi-species up there in September. But then you got your grouse, you got your early goose, you got your teal season. I mean, there's a lot to do up there. The, the kicker too about that grouse hunting, if for people that don't know, not only do we have a lot of darn grouse up there, we have a lot, we have very few people. So you, you, you got hundreds of thousands of acres of public land. I can tell you, you know, being from central Minnesota, you know, you, you got public hunting, but boy, I'll tell you, you better be one of the first ones on that public hunting. Otherwise that, that, that game gets pushed out of there pretty darn quick because so many people are trampling through it. 
you get up north, you get hundreds of thousands of acres of public land. There's dedicated walking trails for grouse hunters. There's dirt roads you can drive. I mean, it's a it's a really a neat neat deal. Yeah, we're gonna have to do that this year, I think. Uh, yeah, and, done. And Dan, Sold. Dan, you were just up there too, <laughs> and I know what this. And I don't know what it's like up north, but where we're at, there's it's been so dry. And David, maybe you can speak to this a little bit. I think some of the, you know, whether it's the crops or the trees or whatever, maybe they're a little stressed by how dry it is. The leaves are probably going to drop early, and that's one thing with grouse hunting is I, for for as little rough grouse hunting that I do, because I like to see the birds when they flush, and a lot of times rough grouse you don't see them very often. But when the leaves come off, that's the best time to go. And this year, maybe the leaves will come off a little bit earlier up there this year, Joe. Well, that's true, and uh, it's very true. You know, uh, um, you're right about that. I mean, obviously, it's, it's easier when the leaves drop, but, you know, uh, uh, people still go out opening day, and uh, there's mm-hmm. some leaves on the trees, and they still find birds, you know. And the good Well, thing if there's is leaves on the trees, drop. we'll just go fishing, Dan. We'll do both. Yeah. Everything. I mean, uh-huh. you, go, you go walk for a little bit in the morning, and you get tired of walking, you go jump in the boat, and... Sounds like a great I can remember one of, the, one of the times I, when I first became tourism director, you know, I, I'd always really focused on fishing. and But after I became tourism director, I went uh, hunting in Beltrami Island State Forest, which is just to kind of the southwest of Bidette. And, you know, uh, I'll tell you what, man, you know, I'm driving down the road and there's six uh, rough grouse running off the dirt road into the ditch. I'm like, holy smokes. I mean, when do you see six rough grouse running off the road into the ditch? You know, I mean, that, I, I guess I have more, more grouse that one day i think than i've seen <laughs> the last couple of years you know what i mean well and you got sharpies and spruce grouse up there too so a lot of opportunities uh to do some bird hunting and I, i'm excited to fish though i and i will i'll definitely hunt because we're gonna be joe we're gonna be on the road for like three weeks we're gonna be going to saskatchewan to do some stuff then we'll be up at the aglow conference and then we got to film this elk hunt and then i think we tap i think we definitely uh tack on a lake of the woods stop dan right now in book it Done. all right well We'll see. Oh, there we'll re- re- reach out. We'll figure something out there. You know, I'll tell you something uh, that the fishing, I mean, you know, we've had that at Gold Conference in September, as you guys know. And remember, remember how when, when a lot of the outdoor media came up to Lake of the Woods, they had that option to go walleye fishing. Some did that. But we also had the option to jump on a charter boat and go sturgeon fishing. And that was like the most popular because nobody has ever hardly done it. And whole oh, man, did we catch sturgeon? I mean, we got a ton of sturgeon right in front of the resorts, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's so much fun to catch, and it's relatively easy. Gear is not that expensive, but anytime you can catch a fish that's, you know, 50, 60 pounds or, or bigger, you're going to have a good time with that. So, all right, Joe, we'll talk more about planning a trip up there this fall uh, for Lake of the Woods and Rainy River. Uh, but let's talk about what you just did up there because you just had another annual veterans event that you've been doing for quite a while up there. We sure did, yeah. So we do uh, we do the Pay It Forward. We, our event is called Pay It Forward, and it was the 10th annual Pay It Forward Veterans event. You know, the purpose of this event is to, you know, honor, recognize, and celebrate all veterans. So in a nutshell, what we do is we um, we bring up about, in this case, we had 88 people in this event. And uh, every veteran that comes up, the only thing they have to pay, they, they got to get themselves up there, and they got to pay for their own drinks. Other than that, um, the food, uh, the lodging, and the fishing are all taken care of. Three-night, two-day fishing trip. We use charter boats, no no little boats. We use all charter boats to, to kind of keep it uh, that Lake of the Woods theme, you know, it, it, that we have with charter boats. And 
You know, uh, what, what an event, man. I mean, every, every year we talk about the magic of this event, and you know, we certainly create a great atmosphere for it. But the magic is veterans spending time with other veterans. The magic is having excellent, excellent speakers that bring out some different topics that maybe sometimes are tough to talk about with veterans. But at the same time, they, they encourage veterans to get the help they need or maybe just talk to other veterans about things they're dealing with. You know, sometimes the old saying is either you need the, 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 the meeting or the meeting needs you. And even people that have gone there that, that are, are doing relatively well, they're helpful because they're, they're connecting with veterans who are maybe struggling and um, just a great event, you know, just the camaraderie. I had a chance, we, so Midwest Outdoors shot a TV show one of the days on our charter boat. And we happened to have Tom Cremeen who is um, with Elks Veteran Services in Minnesota. In fact, he just won a national award for for Elks as uh, you know the National Volunteer of the Year. So he uh, he was kind of excited. Uh, he's going to be featured on the Elks float at the in Pasadena, California, for New Year's Day, the Rose Bowl parade. And uh, so that's kind of a neat honor. And then the other two gentlemen we had were uh, um, World War II veterans. They're brothers, ninety eight and ninety five years old, and uh, Boy, sharp as a tack, both of them were. Uh, um, the stories they had about World War II and 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 just life, you know, uh, you know, they talked about. Uh, and one of them said, "Yeah, I got I got kids and kids. Uh, my kids are in their seventies, and my grandchildren are in their fifties. You know, <laughs> imagine. Wow. But oh, just but just great, great. All three of them were great guys, and you know, you spend a couple of days on the boat like that. What a what a gift and. Uh, you know, I asked them, we, we did a video I'm going to be putting on on Facebook here. And we did a video and I just said, what'd you guys think? And they said, honestly, Joe, uh, uh, one of the best, one of the best couple of days we've ever had in our life, 98 years. And I can say it's a couple of the best days I've ever had in my life. And very, uh, very humbling to hear that. And uh, just wonderful guys, just, just yeah. fantastic. And, but a lot of good happens at an event like that. And that's uh, amazing. Yeah. Those events yeah. are, are so important. And uh, you just, it's such a, a great opportunity to get veterans around with other veterans and to uh, help them have somebody to to talk to that's that can relate to some of the experiences that they've had. So uh, you know, Brett, we had we had a we, we have diversity, right? So we had men and women, we had young young veterans, older veterans. Certainly, we honor our Vietnam vets. I mean, they didn't get the welcome they deserved when they came home, so we certainly welcome them. But you know, we we. We have all different kind of vets from all different kind of situations. I would just say if if somebody wants to, uh, if you are a veteran or you know of a veteran who might be interested in this event next year, you know, next year it's uh, August 26th to the 29th, I believe, um, just before, it's a week before Labor Day. And uh, you can certainly fill an application out. Our website for that is, you know, payitforwardlow.org. Um, otherwise, uh, certainly get a hold of me, uh, Joe Henry at Lake of the Woods Tourism, and I can set you up with an application. Very good. All right, Joe. Well, if people want to get a fall trip or maybe start thinking about ice fishing at Lake of the Woods or maybe thinking about uh, uh, cast and blast up there, what should they do for more info? Check out our website. Everything's on there, and that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. 
Northern Minnesota's Walleye Factory is a year-round world-class fishing destination. The perfect getaway this summer is just a short drive to Lake of the Woods. Fish Big Traverse Bay, the Rainy River, or visit the unique Northwest Angle. To catch big fish, you have to go where the big fish are. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. That's lakeofthewoodsmn.com. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes in Ottertail County? Yep, and I'm going to fish as many as I can. I'm an outdoorsy otter. Nothing beats a full day of fishing for me. The lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. To find your inner otter, go to ottertaillakescountry.com. Hi, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Uh, thanks for tuning in on the network by demand, sportingjournalradio.com, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube, along with Dan Amundsen and uh, David Eckhart checking in from South Dakota. David, how are you doing? Doing good. All right. And then we also have Ben Bredigan and Corey Loeffler joining us, so it should be a good show. Uh, all, all in different places right now. Uh, ben, do you want to talk about where you're at? Sure. I'm out in, out in Montana in my lovely digs here beautiful place accommodations are a little rough but the birds are here so that's what we come for that's all that matters you're on a bird hunting trip i you're I, you're looking for uh, the the prairie chicken oh no sharp <laughs> sharp sharpies not, yeah sharpies for now we're not in south dakota <laughs> inside Often, radio shows are uh, i know everyone's like what are they talking about that's not funny these guys are if idiots you know you know right <laughs> Uh, Corey, I hear all the harlots are in Minnesota right now, though. <laughs> they're, they're in the call shop right now. Yes, I'm just hanging out with, um, I mean, hundreds, hundreds of harlots. So, Well, that's a new duck call. We want to talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about bird hunting. And, Ben, I want, to, I want you to talk about the PATH program in South Dakota. Uh, Sam Sohol talked about it a little bit here on the show, but we'll have uh, you talk about your involvement with that, too, because that, that is uh, pretty outstanding, I think. Congratulations. Nice work on that whole uh, process, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. It was, it was uh, you know, kind of something that came together pretty fast and and it's going to be really really exciting for for all the people that that come out and hunt south dakota so i just want to back up a second i kept hearing crickets and i thought dan was just playing a cricket sound effect <laughs> try to move along the show yeah. no <laughs> like it's somebody, me <laughs> somebody said a bad joke or something and it was crickets no david's nope, got the crickets it's just it's just the background noise here it's just david's background sound effect like everywhere he goes he just says cricket <laughs> noises everywhere he goes all right so uh anyway uh, let's bend the path pro this path uh what does path stand for again and how did how did that all start yeah so the path program is it's called public access to habitat and it's an initiative that pheasants forever kind of brought to the table 
Um, it's, it's really modeled after the community-based habitat program, uh, i.e. like what Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition has done. And, and they were just, uh, Pheasants Forever was really just tr trying to provide the framework um, to, to essentially scale this model across South Dakota. And then, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully um, any other states that are interested in it. Essentially, it adds some money to uh, existing programs like the walk-in access program out there, correct? Yep, exactly. So all this land is is private access, open to hunting, similar like in South Dakota, it's walk-in plots in North Dakota, Weehan, Kansas, block management, Montana, all those programs. And, and what it's doing is we're really, uh, it's, it's trying to get the community involved in the program, right? Because the way it works is, is the more public land you have in your area or the more open access to hunting, um, the, 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 the idea is that you get more economic impact for your communities. And a lot of these small towns in South Dakota, right, they, they thrive on this. So um, by getting land or by getting landowners to enroll, getting businesses, getting other people in the community to help fund this, um, that's just bringing in more dollars to your area. So how did Onyx get involved then? Yeah, so um, actually, South, the, the South Dakota Tourism reached out to us, and and they were they wanted to collaborate on a project, and it's like, well, you know, Onyx is is all about access, and so it's like, well, let's let's go in together and and make create some cool access project, and and really a lot of what Pheasants Forever does is uh, you know build the wildlife areas across across the country, really, but. Um, I talked to them and they were, they said like, Hey, have you, we're, we haven't launched this yet. We haven't talked about this yet, but it's, it's called the path program. And I had been pushing on presence forever. Like, Hey, let's, I, I'd love to be involved in help scaling what Aberdeen has done with the pheasant coalition. And, uh, we, we talked it over internally and, and I think they needed $250,000 to, to kick the program off before they even started enrolling landowners. So us in conjunction with with South Dakota tourism, like let's let's just do this whole thing. And essentially that money was able to open up 10,000 acres of hunting land in South Dakota um, for 10 years, at a minimum of 10 years. So 10,000 acres in 10 years. That's so we we're like, this is an absolute no brainer. Like, why wouldn't you do this? Yeah. So do you, do you, after 10 years, what do you think is going to happen? Does it need to be, you know, something need to be re-upped or what happens after 10 years? So, so a lot of this, a lot of this ground um, is also enrolled into a, you know, habitat program like CRP, for example. Um, so my, you know, what my hope is after 10 years is like we have provided a lot of this money up front, but then we want to establish this in the community and help uh, these small small towns like under, help them see like wow this brings a lot of economic impact to our area um, and then this is to get it off the ground but the idea is that a lot of these communities band together and and help support these habitat projects how important do you guys think and anybody can weigh in on this one but ben we'll start with you how important do you think it is to have more private land open to hunters like that you know, you hear about some counties in different states trying to have no net gain or, um, you know, maybe areas struggling to get more public land. But and then more and more private land getting locked up. How important is this type of approach going to be moving forward, in your opinion? 
Well, a uh, couple couple angles to look at it. So from a hunter's perspective, first off, um, this is this is great because while you know you look at your WPAs, um, WMAs, those kind of things, they're managed by the agencies, right? So by adding in these walking areas, which is privately managed, um, it just opens up a whole new variety of habitat, whether it's it's crops, different management, different grazing styles. So um, it's that diversity of habitat that it's introduced. And then in terms of like the, uh, the larger scale, um, like you said, with no net gain, this is a way to create a lot of acres of public hunting without the giant expense, right? Like you're talking, if you're going to buy 10,000 acres in some prime hunting areas, like I don't even know how much that's going to cost, but it's hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, where this, granted, it is not protected forever, but it alleviates a lot of the hunter pressure as well as is it creates a lot of opportunity for people looking to go out and hunt. You've seen this. Uh, South Dakota's kind of taking the lead on this. You think this will expand into into other states? You know, that's really that's really my hope. Um, I, I, I've seen it, obviously, a lot of people have seen it be successful in Aberdeen. Um, Mitchell is kind of taking the ball and they're really running with it. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping to see it. And I, I believe in, I believe in the, I guess not necessarily the dollars and cents, but the, the logic of it and it's been proven. So, um, I would love to see other state agencies, um, come, come to the table and say, Hey, we want to help scale this for not only hunters, but really for, for the small towns that are um, in the state that, you know, probably honestly are struggling. What do you think about the trend we're seeing with more restrictions on non-residents in some of these states too? Like you're in Montana, was there, you've obviously hunted Montana before, there's been some changes there, I think primarily for the big game hunters. Has there been any changes for like non-resident access in Montana for bird hunters? Yeah, so, so um, like this year, for example, you can't, I think it's non-residents can't hunt over, or yeah, non-residents can't hunt over 30 days in the oh, state. Yeah. That's right. Um, so that's something that's changed. But, um, you know, I, while it impacts me, I, I understand. Um, it's, this is, if you're a resident of the state, uh, we come out here, we get to enjoy it. We obviously are paying a license fee to be able to come and hunt it. And yeah, two trains of thought, it's like, Am I okay with paying more for a license? Yeah, but, uh, you know, there's implications there. It's like, well, that's turning into pay-to-play type deal. But, um, you know, if that's the cost where I can't hunt 30 days, which not many people hunt 30 days, but if you take like a North Dakota model where you get two five-day periods, um, you know, if that's the price I have to pay for for quality hunting, then I'm fine with that because I can promise you come this afternoon, we're on the eve of opener here, um, there's going to be a lot of people out here and at some point you're going to have some rough winters compounded with hunting. Um, and, and it's going to take its toll. So there, I, I honestly think there probably should be some changes. So, right. And you know, it's on the, on paper, sometimes it seems like, oh, dang it. Yeah, I know I wanted to go over there and now my, my opportunities are going to be limited. But if in, in the long run, if it's going to, 
increase more positive hunting experiences that's just going to be better for all of us and Corey, you're somebody that travels around a lot too and uh does a lot of does a lot of traveling have you have you seen any any anything that's made you change any of your travel plans well um you have to apply to hunt manitoba waterfowl so i didn't apply so i'm not going to hunt there um let's see other than that I don't really think so. I don't, uh, I try to just stay away from the states that you have to apply for small game or waterfowl licenses just because I don't know what migration is going to look like and how busy I'm going to be, how close I need to stay to the shop. So, um, I like to hunt states that I can just on a whim head there, license over the counter, done deal. So that's what I usually focus on. Well, I've told this story on the show before, but I remember one year uh, a group of us here in Minnesota got South Dakota uh, waterfall tags. We we applied for them, and they were th- just three day licenses. And uh, so we had our dates picked, and and we went over there, and it was the best hunting in Minnesota. The three days we were in South Dakota, and all our buddies were shooting limits back home while we were over there, struggling to get on land. Like we couldn't, we were hardly shooting any birds cause we couldn't get on anything and there was hunters everywhere. So I, I get the being flexible enough to, and we're fortunate to have a job where we can maybe pick up and go if we need to here and there. But, uh, I, I don't know. I've, I've been on the fence and I didn't mean to turn this into a non-resident restriction uh, discussion on here, but I figure you guys are, are people that take trips like I do and, and having programs, more private land opening up, I think that's just going to be, to me, and maybe this is a, a discussion more about access when it comes to the future of hunting. Um, ben, maybe you can, maybe I'll pop back to you on this. I think access is going to be the most important, the most important aspect to the, to the future of hunting in the United States. Oh, a hundred, hundred percent. No doubt about it. Um, you think about it. If you take a hundred thousand people and cram them onto, you know, five million acres i mean granted that's small in the grand scheme of things but um if you all of a sudden open it up to 20 million acres like that's whatever a third of the pressure so uh, as well as is getting just getting people out right the more access to quality public land you have um the better your odds are going to be and the more likely likely you are to participate um so onyx they just released a new report called private land public access Mm. And that report is essentially detailing um, the different programs, how many acres are enrolled, a bunch of statistics, um, funding mechanisms, as well as uh, some of the problems and what the future looks like for uh, walk-in lands or uh, voluntary public access uh, in the United States. So if you get the chance to look at it, it is very, very interesting. Yeah. So. 30 million acres of walk-in access in the u.s through various programs across 27 states what do you guys think about this is similar to that it's maybe not exactly that because it's not really open to public but what do you guys think about this land trust that's in north dakota and i think they're in a bunch of other states too where essentially they're creating this airbnb model of hunting land have you guys had a chance to look into that or form an opinion on it yet or not? Yes, I I've, I saw uh, some a number of these from kind of the, the onset of this model. 
you know, honestly, I, I don't look at it a whole lot differently than, than leasing public land or leasing private land, excuse me. Um, you know, you're, you're paying to play, right? So if, if you can afford it, great. Uh, the people that can't, you know, granted it is more affordable than leasing, but, um, for me, it's really that the hangup is still paying to hunt. Right. So, you know, I don't know exactly how I feel about it, but something, I don't know. Cause again, I, I hunt private land, I hunt public land, but, um, that ex, you know, exploiting land, I, I, I don't have a, a great way to articulate it. It's hard because, and I'm on the fence about it right now too. And I've been having discussions with a number of different people about this particular topic. Cause obviously it's a big one right now. It's happening. You see it on Instagram. You see ads for it all the time now. And I looked at one post, actually, I saw it on Facebook and I looked at one post and it was in North Dakota and all, all the usual guys that I'd expect to comment and be against it were commenting and being against it in North Dakota. And maybe that state is a little unique that it's been so wide open for hunters and they've protected the local guys so much by restricting non-residents to just a certain amount of days. But when you had non-posted land that you could hunt on, obviously that changed with the e-posting. And now it seems like more and more people now are going to have the ability not just to e-post their land, but to close it and, and get paid for people to hunt it. And I know I know some longtime hunters in North Dakota that their heads are probably exploding because of this, because they didn't want to see any money get involved in the hunting. They didn't want to see hunting get commercialized as much as it is. You know, they don't even like hunting TV shows, some of those guys. Um so this type of model coming to North Dakota, I'm sure some people out there are just flipping out right now. I have a hard time telling a landowner what they can do on their property. You know, I, if you look at it from that side, I can't blame the guy for trying to make a buck on it. But you might have a, a, a huge amount of land that used to be open and free for a guy to go hunt on if, if they could or if they had permission or if it wasn't posted. And that opportunity might might go away. So it all comes back to that access question. And I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen if this is going to be successful or if it'll, it'll have, you know, kind of maybe peak early and then kind of slow down because you think about it. Unless it's a huge ranch, and maybe they are in North Dakota. I guess I haven't looked at any of the land sizes for some of these. But if you if you think about it, if they're pheasant hunting or deer hunting. Well, um, we found that bird watching property last, last that's week. Right. That's right. Forget about that in you Gordon, could, Nebraska. You could pay to go do some bird watching. And honestly, non a non-consumptive opportunity like that, I mean, that's kind of brilliant. Really, have a have a bed and breakfast or a Airbnb or whatever the case may be, a place to stay and places to go with Hey, you can rent some binoculars for $25. Right. Heck, go for it. But you think about it, if guys are pheasant hunting on a ranch that's, uh, you know, not putting birds out, you're going to push those birds or those deer off pretty quick. So unless it's a place where you're hunting, hunting, you know, waterfall migration and there's new birds showing up, I, I, I have a hard time thinking it's going to be real sustainable, I guess, too. So. Well, the other the other issue with that too is is this is detailed in the report, but the number one loss of uh, that voluntary public access walk-in areas is people coming out and leasing that land. So, walk-in areas. Yep, that's that's the number. I think that's you, you'll have to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure it's it's one of the highest uh, reasons that it comes out is people will, they are able to hunt this land, right? Then they go approach the landowner and say, well. I'll pay you more to lease it, right? And oh, I can't sure. blame the farmer again, right? They're they're trying to put food on the table. So, 
um, I can see the same thing happening through through this Airbnb of hunting land model. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll just have to see how things uh, how things play out. Now, uh, Ben, you're over there. You're over there with George again, aren't you, George Lyle? No. Oh, you're not George. with George on this trip. Nope. Joel George, he couldn't make it this trip. He's oh, okay. his priorities have shifted. Maybe. Uh oh. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you can have George on and talk about it. It's, it's still sore. I'm sitting out here. I'm not by myself, but it's a little different with old cowboy George Lyle. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, good luck on that on that trip. I'm jealous. Uh, I know we're gonna. It's the dove opener here, and there are there are piles and piles of doves around. And uh, no cold weather at this point to push them south for a change. Normally, they're here for about a week, and then they take off right around the beginning of the season. But I think they're going to be here for unless they go north. That they might go north. They might go north. It's supposed to be like 100 degrees on Sunday. I'm going north. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting out of there. It's just ridiculous. Uh, Corey, I did see something uh, today, actually. When we were recording this on Wednesday. I saw somebody post their way up. I don't even remember where they were, but way up in northern Canada. And they said... Uh, it was the earliest they had start to see some of those geese that were north of them starting to push down. Wow. Already? Like, yeah. He said it was like three days solid of migrating birds and, and he'd lived there his whole life and that was the earliest he'd seen them push. So I don't know, maybe we'll have uh, uh, some, some early migrating waterfowl until they get to the heat line, maybe. <laughs> Thermic line? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. What kind of season do you think we're going to have, Corey? Well, it's starting out pretty hot this weekend. It's going to be fairly hot, buggy, miserable, hot yeah, out there. Um, but, uh, I, you know, guys going to have to really take care of those birds if you want to protect them and preserve them for, uh, you know, good table fare, um, doves and teal and, and uh, well, doves and ducks and geese and, and Ben uh, pheasants out or chirpies prairie chickens <laughs> <laughs> make sure you keep those prairie chickens warm Corey I saw you were doing yeah. some show prep a few minutes ago doing some research well, on our topics yeah yeah I just <laughs> had to uh, look up some facts about prairie chickens <laughs> there in South Dakota so um, okay. <laughs> No, hey, the- on on the access stuff, you know, one thing that we've been doing the last uh, four or five years now um, has been doing more e-scouting, using Onyx to get uh, find spots on public land that are way further into public than you can go on just like an, a normal day trip or something like that. Um, and then we've been bringing camping gear and then making a extended stay vacation, uh, hunting vacation out of it. So bringing wall tent in, um, some type of something to sleep on and, uh, pack a cooler full of stuff and meals over the fire and then, uh, setting up kind of a spike camp and then going further into public, um, you know, you can't camp on private land or public land. So in Minnesota, so we've been camping on private and then, uh, which is pretty easy to get access and permission to do that, but, uh, camp there and then use that as a spike camp and, 
um, go hunting from that spot, get deeper into the bush. So I know there's not tons of places like that offer that opportunity um, that have state land tracks or public land tracks that are that big. But uh, it's been it's been a pretty pretty fun adventure here the last few years doing yeah. that. Almost taking like a big game approach to waterfowl hunting in a sense mm-hmm. that you're going to go camp out and, and uh, spend spend a few days in a tent out there. I, I've seen some, you, you, <laughs> there's been some pictures from some of those adventures, Corey, I've seen. It looks, looks like you've been having a good time doing that. Yeah, a couple, yeah. <laughs> we, we make do. <laughs> Here's one. <clears throat> oh, there you go. Ah, there you go. Nice. Oh, Rue. <laughs> Oh, Rue! Boat rides with Rue. So it, this probably doesn't apply as much for uh, waterfowl hunting, and maybe it does, but when you're planning out those things on OnX, are you using that? Um, ben, maybe you can help me out with what it's actually called, but where you can actually see the angle, like the, 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 um, the how steep. View. Say that again? Like the 3D view? Well, yeah, where you can actually see how steep the, the, like the pitch of oh, the, like if you're going yeah. up a mountain or something. Yeah, you can... Terrain X is what it's called, yeah. Um, and that, you know, that's uh, a lot of that is west, more western big game, right? Uh, just to see, you know, where you can go up, traverse mountains. Uh, the one thing though for waterfall guys, I don't, I, I don't know if you guys have checked it out, but the recent imagery where you get satellite imagery, it's lower resolution, but it's it's shot every uh, two three weeks. So, oh yeah, that's awesome. That's honestly that I hear that question all the time when you when we're scouting like gosh how recent was this image taken, so to have that option is great especially when mm-hmm. you know it's wet and dry and when things are changing all the time or crops are coming out. Yeah, well, and that, that would that <laughs> would have helped us. Oh, sorry, Dan, go no, ahead. Oh, you go ahead. You're probably more interesting than what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that um, current or recent imaging would have helped us out two years ago on our little (laughs) duck camp excursion because we well luckily unfortunately for the deer and for jj's pickup but luckily (laughs) jj happened to he had to run into town to get a license just going from my house into town hit a deer ran out couldn't do anything he was pulling the boat um and he called me and he said i just hit a deer and i said well pick it up I mean, yeah, I'll call the, I'll call the police right now. They'll be out there, give you a, uh, a permit for it. Roadkill. And so we got the deer, um, there, it, it was definitely a little bit of a crime scene. Um, but it was a, it was quick kill and, uh, we salvaged all of the deer. Um, so he threw that in the back of the boat and we brought the deer with us into our little duck camp, had that. And, we went from duck camp our spike camp into the bush deep into the public land and the sloughs back in there were bone dry i mean where there was probably three or four feet of water there was cracks in the ground and you could see down two feet into the peat um so there was no water in there we didn't shoot any ducks back in there all we ate the whole time on the whole trip was just that roadkill (laughs) venison (laughs) Well, that's not bad. So, if we would have had, if we would have had the recent imaging, we could have found out before we went that our sloughs were bone dry and uh, would have saved us the headache of traveling all the way in there, only to 
walk a half a mile off the river and find out there's no water. That's why we weren't seeing any birds. So anyway. Do you think with a new duck call, you could have called ducks into that anyway? Oh, man. See what I we would have had to. We would have had to get there couple weeks early just throwing highballs up to canada you know <laughs> trying to get attention tell me about the new duck uh, call gosh well hey happen to have one right here look at that uh this is the new harlot very nice very nice sassy little girl right there um <laughs> oh, it happens to be number 136 but uh, we just released this Oh, man, it's been a few weeks ago now. We had some limited releases uh, in batches on our website, and then we have had them down in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, at the Delta Show at Squad Fest, um, two weekends at Game Fair, and now another drop of these will be hitting the website very soon, or just trying to build them as fast as we can. Um, But no, there's we've put a bunch of really cool innovation um really cool ideas into this duck call it will not stick at all um so that's a huge problem that most people have is moisture locking a duck call and like right when you need it the most it'll just lock up on you and you can't get any sound out of the end of it so um it won't stick it's got moisture control grooves in the tone board i can show you probably see a black insert a little better so um what you're looking at there is our crazy reed design you've got a couple holes you can see there a couple holes drilled through the tone board right there that allow the spit to drain out and then we'll see if we can turn it a little bit we've got those moisture control grooves on either side of the tone channel they're gonna channel the spit out and down to the bottom side of the insert so it doesn't load up um, in between the reed and the tone board and we've got this fancy new wedge system the stay stay tuned wedge system so it won't go flat um traditionally duck calls that are built with a cork stopper in there will go flat or lose their tone after a couple of weeks because the your saliva in your mouth breaks that cork down because that cork is organic and it just loses its elasticity and uh loses its capability to, to provide enough friction or reed lift in there. And uh, duck call kind of just goes flat. It kind of sounds like junk. So we fixed that. We designed this fancy little stay tuned wedge system right there. Mm. And that is all 3D printed. And uh, it's a, it's a, doesn't look like you can't see the detail in it but there's kind of a lot going on inside that little wedge right there so that wedge provides awesome reed lift for us and this thing will sound the exact same today as it will 500 days from now so uh that's that and then as far as the sound of it it is uh extremely versatile duck call that you can put a little tiny bit of air into and get real soft and finesse those super squeaky feed chatters on the bottom end and then you can put a pile of air into it and really open it up on the top side too if you need to reach out and touch them or hail call them from canada if you're hunting the dry (laughs) sloop can you turn it around and sound like a goose 
Uh, <laughs> no, you have to tune in to our April <laughs> Fool's Day presentation <laughs> where we might have something just like that. That's funny. Uh, all right, where can people and people can get those on your website? Not right now, but soon. So, yeah, yeah, you're just out of very, them. very limited release. So, um, yeah, I just have to keep checking back on the website. But we do plan to drop another bunch of them here um, shortly, and there's gonna be some pretty cool things. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. In the mix of these, I have were those wood? Those were wood, yeah. Oh, look at that! Wow. With acrylic sleeved mouthpieces and acrylic inserts. Um, That's my wild. with a, a purple acrylic on the end of it. There, um, there's some really wild acrylic some custom stuff so yeah really neat batch of calls here that i've been working on for a while excited to get those on the website and into mailboxes near you that, that 3d printing has kind of changed things quite a bit hasn't it do you do you have a 3d printer are you doing that i don't know uh not me personally our good friend art diaz with all clear audio he helps me out with a lot of oh, nice. prototyping stuff. So yeah, they, uh, when we're designing new sets of guts for like a spec call, um, Sandhill crane calls, snow goose calls, the wedges for these, um, some new honker calls and new honker guts, all that stuff gets 3d printed. Um, so I got a lot of things going on, like in between these <laughs> headphones right here, lots of ideas jumbling around, bouncing back and forth. So when, uh, I have all those ideas, I try to convey them or try to write them down and, uh, get those ideas onto a 3d drawing of what it is I'm thinking about or trying to design. And then we take that 3d drawing, print that out. Then I try it. And then we make a whole bunch of changes and reiterations and keep on um, trying stuff out and prototyping it until it's perfect. And then we might continue to 3D print it um, or we probably will go get a um, uh, injection mold built mm. out of steel. And then we'll have those parts injection molded. The calls themselves are not injection molded. They are all machined on a CNC lathe. So extremely high tolerances. Um, very, very finely machined, fine-tuned hunting apparatuses. So um, they're very, very precise. So sound yeah. is utmost quality around here. I know they call you the the wizard, but maybe mad scientist is going to be a more appropriate title. And I've I see you know I, I've seen you working on that lathe a little bit, and I mean that that looks like a pretty complicated machine that you've had to figure out. Yeah, it hasn't been a lot of fun, but um, you know if you like staring at ones and zeros and x's and z's then it's pretty exciting but uh um, it was a it was actually a giant pain in the butt learning how to use that thing and uh school of hard knocks got me through it just programming yeah. manuals that are this thick Oof. and uh some friends came over wrote some programs for me my uh, my cousin did and then i was able to copy and paste my way through that and know just enough to be really dangerous and you know haven't 
actually crashed it all that many times. <laughs> so, which is good. Hey, so, hey, Ben. Pretty sweet rig, though. What's that, David? That's, that CNC lathe is pretty awesome. I saw it this spring up at Corey's, and he's just like, oh, you just beep, boop, 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 push a bunch of buttons, <laughs> and it starts cutting stuff. I'm like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. I don't understand any of this, but it, it works. Wait, did we find something David doesn't understand and can't do? Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm surprised you haven't built your own yet, David, after I seeing one. I have not one. built my own. Yet. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. HD Lathe coming to Western <laughs> Minnesota. David Eckhart Enterprises. Wow. Um, ben, so what do you what do you think's been tougher for Corey, figuring that machine out or trapping a gopher? <laughs> well, I've been following <laughs> oh, man. your gopher trapping. Bye, Corey. So if, if, if I was gonna if I was gonna go and say I need to find a killer to kill something, catch something, it would be Corey Loeffler. But these gophers have his number. My gosh. I have never seen a struggle fest so bad. And then like every time I'm sitting on Instagram, I'm like, okay, I want to see a dead gopher. Dead gopher. You're right. <laughs> like maybe oh! some, Did it get him? Whoa. Oh we got him. No. Sky Yuma. Nice. Thank you. It only took you. Uh, Skin out. You can make a mitten. What? Three fifty. Wow, is that's the one you've been going after in the garden the whole time? He's in the garden. I don't think that's the one that I've been going after the whole time. I think that was just a bonus. I got more traps set out there right now. I'm about to get the three hundred Winchester short mag out. I'm about to get some trail cams out. I'm gonna go get more traps. We're cranking it up to a Dyn ten, maybe eleven dynamite for sure when you said this is something out of caddyshack that's all i could think of this is like a perfect explanation for it <laughs> now now that i think about it, i was thinking like when you showed me that gopher i was thinking like kickstart the heart but caddyshack yeah <laughs> yeah like, can you cue i'm all right like i want to hear that <laughs> stupid youtube copyright claim we yeah. can't yeah thanks uh, youtube who decided to put this show on YouTube? If it was just a radio show, we could do it. My bad, boss. Gosh. Well, uh, how long are you going to be out in Montana, Ben? How long is this trip for? It's a short trip. I'm only out here for a week, so. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> only a week. Short trip. Yeah, but yeah. I'll be out for a weary week and come back, and then I will be pointing the truck northwest once again to go into the great white north in search of hungarian partridge so That's gotta awesome. be home gotta be home and have a little face time with the family so i'm a little jealous of that trip but to be fair we'll be in saskatchewan pretty much at the same time so <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I know can't really be jealous but yeah. uh very cool ben good luck out there thanks for being on the show i appreciate it likewise thank you for having me and uh cory uh Looking forward to using the new call this year. Good luck with the new call. And more importantly, though, good luck with that gopher. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to keep fighting the good fight over here. Tuning these duck calls, chasing those gophers out in the garden. Got to protect the he's, – he's in the Potatoes. potato row, yeah. which is not good. I mean, one of the potato rows. But anyway, stay tuned. If you guys want to follow along on that Instagram story, it is hot gopher trap in action up here in northern Minnesota. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Corey Loeffler, DRC Calls. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thank you. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. 
If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to SportingJournalRadio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to SportingJournalRadio.com.